everybody. It's Michael Dave Barr right here with Pat Francis. Rock solid podcast. And so happy to be able to talk to you about rock and roll music. Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself. I can't afford to be here. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today in the Zoom room to discuss the exclusive vinyl release of the self-titled 1977 album Detective, please welcome singer, actor, and radio personality, Mr. Michael DeBar. Michael, hello. I I got so many titles. <laughs> you do. You do. I love it. It's wonderful. It's Michael, nice to be with you, though, Pat. I love your podcast. It's terrific. Thank you so much. You were here just a little under 10 years ago. You were really our first big guest. And then you paved the way to Greg Kinn and then Melissa Etheridge and then everyone who's come after that. So I thank you for being a gentleman then and a gentleman now. Well, indeed, yes, you deserve everything. You know, we all do. That's it. That's the issue here is people don't feel that they are worthy. You know, I think it's so important that you believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself and love yourself, who's going to love you? Exactly. Exactly. Now, I want to let people know that today we are focusing on this album, Detective. Mm. There are many, many things we could cover with Mr. DeBar. But look, if you want to know more, you need to watch Michael DeBar, Who Do You Want Me To Be? There's a documentary out there, which is fabulous. And I thought I knew everything about you, but man, that filled in the gaps and an entertaining piece of film. And I just loved it. You should be proud of that work. I'm proud of um, the director, J. Elvis Weinstein, and uh, the production company, Rugged Entertainment, because there's a lot in that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yeah, I wonder why. He did so much research about me and all of the stuff that was gone on. And when I was confronted with it, because I never watched a, a foot of film for the seven years it took to make, Pat, you know. Yeah. And then, I, then I'm in a screening room on my own, weeping, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, I remember that one and this one and that one and what happened there in Italy. And my God, the gangsters and Jimmy Page and, mm -hmm. you know, Miss Palmer. Oh, my God. And it was just the endless kaleidoscope of rock and rollness, you know. So, yes, please watch the documentary. It's yes. Really, I think it's entertaining, not just because it's me, but it's a life lived in many, many different ways, you know. Yes. And I love the friendship uh, of you and Don Johnson at the time when you were maybe the best things weren't happening for you and friends lift you up and help you. And, and here we are today. All good. And that is returned to people who also, shall we say, are on their knees. I don't believe that one can walk this earth if you haven't been on your knees. <laughs> I, I believe that that's where you learn how to do it, how to be fastidiously acute in terms of your behavior and who you are. Who the fuck are you? You find out. You find out when you're smacked in the head. And I've been smacked in the head more times than Mike Tyson, you know, and my sunglasses go flying every time. <laughs> So, so I've learned a lot. DJ, unbelievable guy, human being, you know, he's he's an icon, obviously. Yep. And that, that's more of, I think, more difficult to deal with than than just, you know, walking around town being just a, a normal human being, because it, the abnormality comes at you, you know, because I'm on my knees and then I'm on top of the world. You know, it, yep. it, and they're both the same if you don't trust yourself. You know? Well, I love I love the good karma that came his way because soon after, you know, he was helping you, he got Miami Vice. Yeah. I mean, good things come to good people. So yeah, was, yeah. 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 Me and Miss Pamela, we we lived in his house and you know, he'd done 11 pilots, yeah. uh, all of which had not gone. And, and then he, he got to this little show called Miami Vice. I remember distinctly three weeks into the first season, they were bringing out electric shavers to just make your stubble absolutely fucking perfect. <laughs> Sonny Crockett style. And I remember saying, hey, Mikey, where's the money? Where's my, you know, <laughs> why don't they play Sonny Crockett? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 
so let's get into this. And here's what's happening, folks. Record Store Day is is big. It gets bigger and bigger every year. And this year, Saturday, April 23rd, there is going to be a limited edition color vinyl remastered from the original analog tapes version of the debut album by Detective. I believe it's limited to 1,800 copies in the U.S. and only 3,000 worldwide. So people, get in line. You're going to want to get this thing for sure. Uh, Michael, how did this happen? Did you, were you the catalyst to make this happen or were you surprised by this? I was surprised by it. Yeah. It's silver vinyl, by the way, you guys out there, collectors and so on, because I, I, I think, you know, it's so interesting. I was thinking about what I would like to share with you earlier this morning on my run, you know, and I thought I haven't heard that record in, in decades. And then when I heard that, um, that you know, Jimmy was going to give it, to me back um that really made me well okay i'll listen to it and i was astounded by it i know it sounds ridiculous and self-serving and and i am self-serving <laughs> but i i would say that i was astonished by it and um uh, org records are so cool the record company that's putting it out it's whip smart they've done a wonderful job repackaged it unbelievable liner notes photos you name it but at the base of it, it's the music that really is powerful. That's a guitar, bass, drums, and a voice, which I believe is rock and roll. And I do believe also that that will come back 23, because all those kids during the pandemic, I went into a, a guitar store, a friend of mine has a, uh, you know, a store. Okay. And I said, well, how was your business during the pandemic? He said, unbelievable. Young yeah. men and young women and everything in between were buying guitars. What does that mean? That means that in a year or two, you're going to get Jeff Beck, you know, right. Shirley Beck. You're going to get, you know, and, 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 I, and I do honestly believe that this kind of rock and roll on this album is what's going to happen next. Bluesy, hard rock. Well, people are always like, oh, I wish I had time to learn guitar. Well, over the pandemic, you had time to learn guitar. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and a lot of other things. You know, yeah. the, the, you're not distracted. You 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 are with your family or you're on your own, you know, yeah. and then being on your own is not a bad thing. You know, it's a good thing. All of the great spiritualists from Jesus to Buddha to you know Eckhart Tolle have all spent time on their own, yeah. focusing on themselves and making themselves a better person by doing it rather than judging yourself, you know, just watching yourself. Just watch what you do and you learn so much from it. And I did during this thing, you know, I just did the show every day for Stevie, you know, at Little Stevie's Underground Garage. And I love it. I just interviewed Paul Rogers a few days ago in a new vibe I've got called Underground After Dark with Paul Rogers. And he was on Swan Song. Yes, he was. Yeah. That's where yeah. we were, you Bad know. company. And yeah, and, and Jimmy, I knew from Silverhead, my first band, you know, they, they liked Silverhead and they would come see us play. I remember one infamous night, we were in this club in Birmingham, and there was like 20 people in the club. We just started, and four of them were in Zeppelin. <laughs> and, and Bonzo had a farm very close to the, the you know this club in Birmingham. And we went and we spent a few days, uh, you know, talking. <laughs> I bet. You can imagine. But, you know, yeah, I love those guys. And giving us this the master's back, you know, here you are. It's such, a, such an unlikely gift. And how does that happen? What what's the process? Do you just get a phone call from Jimmy Page and he says, "Hey, Michael, I, I'm I'm giving you the uh, the masters for the Detective albums." Is well, that- something like that. Yeah, I mean, the 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 transaction was a little more legal. About, yes, of course. You know, uh, the bureaucratic things are very important to everyone. Our drummer is amazing, John Hyde. And John Hyde, sister- yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful, it's just, listen. I mean, listen to that record. I couldn't believe it. I called him immediately. We were both, I can't believe it, you know, on the phone. It was a very, very sweet moment, you know. But because we were just in our 20s, we were just some kids, you know, messing around. And, and apparently it wasn't just messing around. But um, John's sister, Scarlett, brilliant. She took over the whole um, project and created such a wonderful universe with it. Uh, we're having this big party in LA. Um, well, it's actually a singular party. It's not a big, big, uh, you know, feast. Yeah. But it will be very, very interesting because people from our past and so on and so forth are coming to this particular gathering. So it was legalistic in yeah. many ways, and uh, I can tend to stand 
away from that somewhat, you know, and just um, say yes or no. Let's uh, let's give a shout out to all the band members. Michael on vocals, John Hyde on bass, Michael Monarch on guitar, John Hyde on drums, and yours truly, you know, screaming. And Tony Kay. Tony Kay came in, played keys here and there. I love him. What a gentleman. Brilliant artist. But the core of that group was those guys. Was the four guys. Uh And uh, are all those gentlemen still with us? Yes. Surprisingly. Good. And, uh, you know, there there are many people that I've worked with who are not on the planet. Sadly. Now, if, if someone only knew you from your first band, Silverhead, how would you describe the sound of Detective as compared to Silverhead? That's a great question, Pat. Um, Silverhead, we were teenagers, so it was all about sex. It was just sexuality, as, as all rock and roll. What do you think rock and roll stands for? You know what I mean? It's, uh, rock and roll's heart beats below your waist. You know, <laughs> I'm not young. I'm not Freud. You know, I mean, I, I'm a young kid who wants to get laid and sing rock and roll bluesy songs that Muddy Waters wrote. You know, that's all I cared about. I wear lots of makeup and, and be up for a week you know, on various substances. I mean, but Detective um, certainly included substances, but we were a little sharper because we were given absolute exemplary um, time to make that record. And it took us a year to make that record. And then we made it again, you know, so it's one of the most expensive albums ever made. And uh, we spent, I think the difference between Silverhead was a, it was a carefree, wonderful outlaw, renegade, you know, Tokyo, New York, madness, Johnny Thunders here, Iggy here, all of that beautiful rock and roll. And Detective was a little more like focused when we went high, you know, or in the jacuzzi with some intimate friends, you know, we did all of that too. Um, So I would say that we prioritized what we wanted and what we wanted was a big, fat, bluesy rock and roll sound, whereas Silver was slinkier than that. Yes. And now, I didn't know that the album was made twice. Is that why there are two producers listed on this? Yes. Andy Johns did five tracks. Jimmy Robinson does the other four. Yes. uh, And various pseudonyms, you know, but I mean, it's, um, I adored Andy Johns, you know, simply because he did Exile, you know, on Main Street, which is one of my top five albums. I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, And Andy really had a way of implying what we should do rather than telling us what to do or saying, well, that doesn't work. He -hmm. wouldn't say that. He would make things that didn't work, work in such a strange hypnotic way, very quiet, very quiet, not a screamer, you know, Um, and we really, it brings you in. It brings you into the conversation. Like if if I'm with you, you know, and I'm listening to you, I'm listening you know, I'm not, I don't have a pre uh, answer to anything that you're asking. Right. It was the same with Andy. You, you, you'd ask me something and he would have sort of this strange shadowy response that you could choose from his choices. So it was a, it was a really an intellectual uh, relationship that I, I had with him. The boys just kicked ass. You know, you could ask them to do anything and they would do it brilliantly. But it was it was trying to put it all together. Jigsaw puzzle of rock and roll. Yeah. The album opens with a song called Recognition. That's one of the ones that you co-wrote. A lot of albums open with a big rocker, but you guys open with just a straight up groove. Well, it was very funky. That yeah. band is funky. Listen to it. It's soulful. It's got Bobby Pickett, you know, mm-hmm. this brilliant bass player, black artist in a, in a, in a rock and roll world. And it really was a, 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 an incarnation that he didn't even 
expect. But yeah. they, John and Michael knew him and, and loved playing with him. And it just made so much sense because it took away from Iron Maiden. Or, or These bands are great. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, it's yeah. straight ahead hard rock. But we had funk in that, you know. And I, my worship, Wilson Pickett and Otis and Stax and all of that. But I like it to be big and loud. So what do you do? You know, I mean, his bass playing is... It's unparalleled and the harmonies and everything and, it, and so recognition was kind of what was the anthem of the of the time it's right. what we wanted you know it's what anybody wanted once it once you get into music you don't necessarily want to be uh, royalty but you want to be heard you know and recognized as it were as a human being who plays great music so yeah i didn't want to start with no no. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. So we did it slower and slinky. You know, and it wasn't it was a unique thing to have a black artist in in this type of a band with uh, you know, the rest of the band's white guys. And I mean, sadly, it was unique, but uh man, it's so good. It just it's works so well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good record. I, I highly, you know, you people out there, you beautiful people who like rock and roll music, check it out. You know, it's a, just, it's a gift. It really is. I, and I say that I, because I can step away from it. I've been in 17 bands since Detective Review. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like, you know, but I tell you, man, listen to that record, you know, a couple of weeks ago, just what on earth? Wow. You know, and it all comes floating back. Now, do you actually have a copy of the vinyl in hand? Have you seen it? Have you touched it? No. No. Okay. No, no, no. I have not because you know it's um, it's very precious and it's in a, in a warehouse guarded by you know, <laughs> young people with machine guns. You know. Gosh, now, now, Wikipedia tells me that Miss Pamela. Oh fuck, has, Wikipedia! Yeah, that's why I want you to give me the the straight scoop. It it tells me that she has some songwriting credits on this album. Did she oh, help yeah. out? She did. Okay. Oh, absolutely. No, she does. Right. She, she, recognition was, uh, you know, she's a, look, she's written five books, all of which yeah. have been huge, you know, with the band and so on and so on. And her new book is, is just so good. She's so clever and everybody loved her. Everybody loves Miss Pamela who meets her. But when I say fuck Wikipedia, I mean that only in the sense that they say that I was in the knack. <laughs> and we now, know that's not true. I was not in the knack. No. I had the knack. Yep, but I wasn't in the knack, <laughs> you know, and uh, and it, it's got. But who do you you don't? There's nowhere to get. No, you know, yeah. I'm English. I'm English. Yes, yes, I'm English. I'm a Buddhist, and I love you know vegan food and heroin. You know, I mean, it's just nonsense. Track two on Detective is "Got Enough Love," another co-write by you. It's just perfect. Got enough love for the two of us. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. songs are aren't they there's just like that that one phrase you know that that one phrase satisfaction you know i mean yeah. it's, uh you know it says it all and uh, this one is was great because we did it in wkrp when we did wkrp in cincinnati when i did you know as an actor yes um, not not the new one where you were a regular but when you came on right. what was the band called oh my god I'm, scum of the, of the earth. earth yes <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, and I was scum at that time. I really was. I was way, 
way deeply into narcotics. And and doing that show in front of those people, it was hilarious with Howard Hessen. God bless him. God rest his soul. You know, what a brilliant comedic actor he was. All that whole cast was, was really good. And we were this band, this punky band. And when we, you know, when I read it, I said, you can't put them in ripped up safety pins and all of that bollocks and punk thing. Put them in suits. Yeah. Put them in suits with ties. And and they'll destroy everything, you know. And uh, it was much funnier that way. Yeah. We got more jokes out of it as the week went by. Rehearsals, we we put that that costume, those ties, into this sort of aristocratic, punky vibe, and it, and it really worked. But get got enough love was at the end of the show. Perfect. And you must have pulled that from the detective because the photos I see, you guys are all dressed in uh, jackets and shirts and college yeah, shirts. two actors. None of the rest of the band were in that. Right. That Just episode, you. But the, the director had seen my work and other things, blah, blah, blah. Michael De Blah. So let's talk about this drum sound because it's <laughs> very, it's very reminiscent, very Bonzo-esque. Of you know who, yeah. yeah. You know, my answer to it is this, you know, saying uh, Bonham's on the record, right, Michael? And wrong. No. Wrong. It's uh, John is playing every beat, and the the I think why people think that is the tone of the drums. Yes, the sound. That's the greatest drum sound I ever heard was on uh, you know Detective Record. It really is, you know, yeah. and Zeppelin obviously, but his tone. But when you're playing, he doesn't play like Bonzo. No, he's a funkier drummer than Bonzo. You know that, and John is. Uh, more, uh, as I said, it has soul to it, you know. Bonzo, greatest drummer ever, don't get me wrong. But John Hyde's sound was very similar to Bonzo because we wanted that. We wanted a big, fat drum sound, you know, and Andy got it. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The song Grim Reaper, the big drum sound kicks in immediately. It starts with it because when once we were recording and we had it done and then we did it again, we thought, well, look, let's have those drums front and center, you know, on something at the, at the beginning. Of the, it just seemed to make sense in the jigsaw of rock and roll, you know, that we'd start with that. And uh, we did. And it, and it really, I think, opens up your heart your, and your legs. Do you... um? Do you have memories of recording the album? I mean, I know substances were flowing back in this that time period, most likely. But do you uh, can you go to the deepest reaches of your mind and have some good memories of the recording? Yeah, but they only came back to me when I listened to it. Okay, just recently, then the memories came back. Pat, my life has been a series of memories. You know, so much has happened to me over. You know, I'm seventy four. So therefore, one has been working since I was eight uh, as a professional <laughs> actor yeah, and so on and so forth, that you tend to sort of compartmentalize stuff because you, otherwise you, your top of your head's going to blow off. You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. 
And it has several times, you know. But what happened to me was when I, it's a great question again, I'm listening to the record and as each song is played, a chapter of my life is suddenly there. I'm getting tears when I was just thinking about it. And I remember the joyousness that when the four of us would just sit back and listen. And that feeling of getting that vibe, that heavy rock and roll vibe, is really magical, man. You know, and so all I can say is I just couldn't believe how how moved I was by the by the other musicians, how good they were and are, you know, and will be in perpetuity because of Scarlet and and Org Records. It's something really wonderful. So there's no I slipped in the hot tub with a bag of heroin around. <laughs> You know, it's about the love of the music, the great feelings that I have for the other musicians who created it. Well, look, that's what music does to me as a fan and me as a listener. I can only imagine uh, you as the artist, what uh, what it dredges up uh, in a good way when you listen back. Because, I, I mean, a lot of artists, they, they don't go back and listen to their their recorded catalog of music, I wouldn't imagine. They might play those songs live. But I mean, Mick and Keith don't sit down and listen to Tattoo You. I mean, unless they have to. Absolutely. You know I mean? I, as I said, I, I hadn't heard it in yeah. 40 years, you know. And then when this happened, I heard it, you know. And you see, but, you know, the thing is, when thing, if you let things happen and you don't, you don't make things happen, you let them happen. If you make things happen, you never really believe it because you've written the script. So you know the ending. You don't write scripts. You you let life happen to you, and one is always on to the next, on to the next, the next band, the next you know role in a thing, and the the radio thing that I do, and all of these things have happened. And bam, 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 bam. And and if I fixated on anything, or even if I just looked at it, um, I, I it would take me off the path of of moving, constantly moving forward. And then this, when this came along, it was appropriate to sit down with my wife, who'd never heard it, yeah. and listen to it. And that was, it was so, effect, it affected me so much, I can't even tell you. You're still, you're still kind of a, a newlywed, in a way. You, you've only been married... Uh... Well, we've been married, years. we've been married, you know, a couple of years. We've been together quite some time. We've been together 12, 13 years now, and, you know, in our 14th year of marriage, and it's the greatest feeling you know, that one can possibly have. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I want to say something about uh, you on Twitter, at M Debar. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm a pretty positive person, but sometimes, you know, you're having one of those days. And if I go through the Twitter and I come across something that you've written, it really makes me feel good. You're a positive presence on a social media platform that can sometimes not be a positive place. But you, are bringing something special. You're bringing some light, and I appreciate that. Ah, oh, bless you, Pat. Thank you so much. I, I feel good about it. But you know what I'm doing is, is I'm making myself feel positive and feel comfortable with what's happening. Because what's happening is what's happening. You can't right. change it. You can't change it. You know. So you acceptance is the key. Forgiveness is the key. Love, compassion, kindness, courage. All of these things are important. You have. To, we're not going to be. I can't go to Ukraine. No. And go and rescue the, the Ukrainian people, but I can, I can maybe fix somebody who's, you know, in New Jersey who's upset and thinks he's a, you know, he's not a nice person and he'll never get anywhere and so on and so forth. And I encourage people to be loving and kind to themselves. Yeah. Because if they're not kind and loving to themselves, they will never be kind and loved, you know, from someone yeah. else. And I, and that equation has become, I think, very significant on Twitter. You know, I mean, I don't talk, you know, or I'll say, boy, look at my cheekbones. I'm still gorgeous, <laughs> you know, and then they'll go, oh, Michael, for <laughs> you know, so it's not all professorial. It's also very the acceptance of narcissism. One has to have that to be in show business. What yeah. am I going to do? I'm sorry. Oh, I'll do it your way. You know, fuck off. Yeah. I'm quite capable of doing something terrific for you without, you know, being pushed in a certain way. You know, in art, the one who's doing it is right. 
not the person who's written it or directed it or producing it. It's the people that actually are doing it with a camera in their face yeah. or a microphone in their face, you know. And um, you've got to trust people, man. You know, you've got to trust. But most of all, trust yourself. And thank you on a Twitter level. Uh, it's it's really helped me. Yeah. What are, uh, what are three things that uh, Michael DeBar does daily to stay healthy physically, mentally, and spiritually? Drink a lot of water. All right. Move your body. Two. And have a sense of justice. Ooh, that is sweet. I love that. Have a sense of justice. Don't do anything that is unjust. That's up to you. You'll have to figure out what justice means to understand this. And that's a lifelong excursion into the consciousness of man and woman and everybody in between. And I absolutely embrace every sex, every gender, every color. And if you don't, that is unjust. For sure. Agree. I 100% agree. Let's jump into Nightingale. This starts out as a ballad. And then around three minutes, it just goes into another place that is fantastic and i love the lyric i've been hunted and chased now i'm shackled and braced so cool don't ask you to wait just please please hesitate your kisses your loving your warm embrace till i pass through the garden gate through the garden gate Yeah, that's that's epic. You know, you get caught up in the whole notion of epic songs. You know, yeah. when you know, I was very, I was young, yeah, even in that band. You know, and I thought, yeah, this is an opera. You know, and John and Michael, are great writers. John Hyde, incredible lyricist, as well as a great drummer. And you know, coming out with stuff that you go that you appreciate. You know, at the time, I was thinking, wow, that's so magnificent. And then forty years go by, and you go, it's still magnificent. <laughs> you know, I still am moved by it. But it's, yeah, that's operatic, man. That, that is like, uh, you know, Ulysses meets you know, Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, as the singer, as the singer, these words come out of your mouth. So normally people would think that you wrote all of them, but obviously you didn't because I read the liner notes. Yeah. Um, was, were there ever lyrics that you just didn't feel comfortable with and they had to be changed? Or were you no. just like, you, you. You guys were all on the same page. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, it just happened that way. I don't yeah. think anybody said, we can't say that. I mean, no. Can't you put a baby in there? <laughs> you know, baby, baby, baby. No, no, no. No, no, no. Um, so, I no, there was no, uh, none of that. It, it was all full speed ahead, man. You cool. Know? Cool. When's the Michael... Debar autobiography coming out. Is there a book when I, in you? When I finish it, you know. So you, um, you're, you're still, are you seriously writing one or are you just writing it in your head all the time? No, I'm writing it, but it's it's not, shall we say, from A to Z. It's from Z to L to F. Okay. To G back to B. Uh, you know, it's not a chronological thing. It's, uh, I, I was absolutely knocked sideways by Dylan's book, you know, and, um, he doesn't even mention singing for a hundred pages and he's Bob Dylan. Yeah. So my life is not so, you know, it's not about, you know, Jimmy Page was my friend, Don Jones was my friend, Gabriel Burns, my friend, Steve Jones. But yeah, you know, it's not about that. It's about my feelings. It's, it's almost an extension. If you imagine my tweets, just imagine that in a, in a book. <laughs> All right. Okay. Then that's going to be something I want to read. 
Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I I was thinking of um, titles for it, and uh, you know, I should I should go on Twitter and say what title should my book be? You know, because I came up with why I am. Why well, I, I mean, that sounds perfect. Why I am. So you just write about yourself and whatever happened. You know. Yeah. Somebody stole my black leather pants, you know, and I learned how to dance. You know, it's it's not about in February of 62, I was 12 and I did a TV show <laughs> with so and so. So I said, so the Sidney Poitier said to me, Michael, you're a really good actor. You should play Hamlet. You know, I, I, I it's not that's not where I'm at. The documentary says all of that. Yes. You know, the the, the black and whiteness of my life, but there's yes. colors in there that uh, are unexplored the colors like in your glasses yeah <laughs> exactly right i mean there are different you know things that i want to write about and i'm writing about and uh, i think people will enjoy it from a different understanding place you know from their cool. consciousness rather than that you know there's so much crap in these books you know rock and roll you know working class family gets guitar gets his friends and and they, they become big, and they yeah. buy their mama house, and then the singer, you know, is strung out on heroin, and then he gets sober, and he works with rescue animals. Yeah, it's a there's definitely a template. I mean, you can go back to VH1's Behind the Music, or almost every rock and roll or music biopic follows the same structure. And um, no, it's you know, difficult. It's difficult because you, you're playing three chords. You know, it's a knucklehead gig, you know, if you really think about it. But, you know, it's, I, I also think that the fact that I've, I've lasted as long as I have, it just makes me, little, you know, be able to step back and look at it. You know, and listen, I, a lot of these books I adore. Sure. I, you know, Nikki Six's book is great. You know, all the, there's some great books out there for sure. Um, but I don't tell that, that story particularly. Let me ask you about uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage, Sirius XM, Channel 21. Uh, you do that right from your house. I do. I do. And I have done for eight years, every day, virtually every day. I've done it three hours of uh, radio. Yeah. So I had a lot of songs from a lot of bands and played a lot of Otis Redding songs and, you know, and the Temptations and Marvin Gaye and all the people that we love, you know, um, blues, soul, Stevie loves soul music, Yeah, you know, and he is absolutely encyclopedic about this stuff, you know, and, uh, and he's an incredible person. I mean, he's taught me more. I have more respect from Steve, for Stevie Van Zandt than anyone on the planet. He has a sense life. of justice. He really does, man. Yeah. That's a great, that's wonderful that you caught that. that. He really is a just guy. He'll tell you exactly what he's thinking. Yep. You know, there's no panache. There's no, you know, sort of sugaring the thing. It's like, this is what I want. This is what it um, should happen. And it happens. You know? Yeah, he's and been on the show. And um, everyone that's on the show, I'm always excited and I'm always uh, amazed that I could get any of these gigantic Yeah, you have people. a great reputation, Pat. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, but yeah, when Steve uh, Van Zandt came on, I was just, you know, blown away and just the nicest down to earth, yeah. straightforward guy. I just, yeah. I just loved him. What um, you see is what you get. Yep. So the music you play, do you choose it as little Steven? No, the playlist stuff? is entirely what the little Steven's underground garage playlist is. Okay. And has been for some time. Of course, new bands come along. Yeah. And um, it goes through Stevie. If Stevie likes it, we play it in the story, you know, and uh, there's some incredible stuff there. He has his own tastes. Yeah. You know, um, and and I've learned an awful lot <laughs> about music, you know, from from do it from like bringing it to the people it's been yeah. a, like a pied piper thing and that you know yeah you bring the music to the to the people and it's a beautiful thing because it's not me you know and i talk about it I, I really try and get underneath the skin of the artists and the music itself and what is truthful and honest about it you know and i find that the truth and honesty in music gets you off yeah, it's rock and roll, yeah. rock and soul, as Stevie calls it. You know, it, it's uh, you go inside them. It might be so very so simple music, but simple is good. Yeah. That's Picasso about that, you know. How do you chat up a song that maybe didn't gel with you personally? Oh, I, I, I absolutely rave 
about songs that <laughs> I always find something, Pat. And I think in life, yeah. it's very important uh, to, you can't discard things. You you mm. really have to, you know, imbibe them and eat them, you know, and feel them before you can really understand where they were coming from. You know, if there's certain bands that I, that I'm not crazy about, I can appreciate their, their love of what they're doing. It doesn't have to be a fantastic chorus. If it comes from the heart, I don't care what it is, because you can see truth and hear truth if you're open enough to be able to see and feel, feel it and hear it. You know, so everybody, no matter what they're playing, if they're giving it everything they've got, that's all I care about. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. That's good. That's good. The name of the band, Detective, where did that come from? Did it come from the song Detective Man and you guys? No, no, no. They wrote that in in regards to the title. I I was, you know, it's it's such a silly little story, but uh, you know, I met me and Miss Pamela were hanging out, and um, I just we were walking down Sunset Boulevard, and there's a bookstore there that we would go and get books. It was at both avid readers, and uh, and then you know she writes like the number one book of rock and roll, but that came later. But I saw a magazine, and it just said detective, exactly like the cover. Okay. And I thought, that's right. We're searching. We're searching for someone. We're trying to find somebody. We're trying to right the wrong, you know. All of those concepts came to me, and I brought it to the guys. They said, yeah, that's it. All right. Simple. Simple story, but a good one. Uh, the song Detective Man starts with a cool uh, bit of bluesy guitar, yeah. and then the drums kick in, and then the song kicks ass. So yeah. great, great tune there. Also an instrumental on here, Deep Down, written by uh, Monarch and Pickett. I'm a lyric guy, so I missed your presence, but it's a, it's a cool song too. important you know like i think every album should have an instrumental on it because the you know then the bass player becomes the star you know whatever star means but i mean at the center the pivotal center of a piece of music then one of the you know and i thought it was absolutely perfect that they would do that and and we encouraged it absolutely i i loved it and i would have had more on it if i if i could have you know because rock and roll you know often you take off during the solos anyway you know the audience Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're there. I mean, I'm singing and I'm, you know, uh, there they are. And they're all going like this. And then suddenly, you, you know, the guitar player comes in the middle. And then the audience, you know, it almost like come towards you, you know, when you're playing a solo. And, and it's beautiful to see because you can sustain like Mick does. I mean, Mick sustains it. But then people do something, you know, you know and he'll do something and, and you, you flash over the key. But Mick's the only one I think that really draws attention. I think it's important to shine a light on the instrumentalists. Yeah. 
True. You're right. You you have that Mick Jagger thing in that you guys, I mean, you're obviously getting older, but the presentation is not older. You guys yeah. still have this internal youth that like when I saw the Stones, you know, out here just recently. It's crazy. It was it was crazy. Like I could like everyone said, how was the Stones? I'm like, I it was incredible. You can't believe how good they still are at this age. It's yeah. a revelation. The songs are so amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and Keith just went, ba-da-dum. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, that's it. And the crowd goes crazy. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. simplicity of it. And then, you know, Mick, listen, you've got to stay in shape. Yeah. You've got to physically use your body, run, bike, whatever it is, but get your heart rate up. He is just, it looks exactly the same as he did in Rock and Roll Circus. Yeah. With Brian and Lennon and Yoko and all of that, you know, and the hoop. Yep. Uh, he looks exactly the same. It's just, his face is, of course, but I love his face. He he looks like Moses or something. You know? <laughs> yes. Like rock and roll sort of like Moses, like like Mount Rushmore. Like, but he has the body of a 19-year-old. Yeah. And, you know, you can do that. You eat right. You drink water. You don't do drugs. You don't drink alcohol. You know, he does. Uh, you're here and there. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm 40 years sober, you know, without drugs and alcohol. And um, but it's for suckers, you know, mm. it's for people that don't believe in themselves. They want to go somewhere else other than where they are. For Christ's sake, you know, it just oh, it's so aggravating to see young people die. You know, I mean, I just do, you know, it, it just underscores the idea of these incredibly brilliant people, you know, Scott Weiland and Kurt and, you know, all, all of the people that just disappear. Taylor. Yeah. Just breaks my heart. Anyway, but you know, exercise is really good, and uh, eating, you know, food that uh, sustains you. Yeah, you know, no fried food. I mean, I haven't eaten any of that crap in decades. A little bit of pinkberry, though. Pinkberry, I adore. Pinkberry <laughs> is to me even more interesting than chuckberry. <laughs> I, uh, I'm getting. You know. So, okay, then I'm going to put this to you. Pinkberry or Halle Berry? Halle <laughs> Berry. All right. Let, now, let me ask you this about, uh, about being 40, over 40 years sober. You meet Britta. Is she sober or does she like a glass of wine with dinner or how does that work? Well, I was, you know, 25 years sober before we met you right know? so uh and, and at that time yes she would have a glass of wine every now and then but no certainly we quit cigarettes at the same time yes um uh when we met uh, when i was 60 and uh and she was 20 and uh, 40 or whatever and uh, i um and we started to really eat right and she's a phenomenal cook and you know I, I go lucky, man, you know. Right. Lots of water is very important. And, and there is no – I never say, oh, it would be so great to do Coke right now. That's the last – literally, if somebody would say, what's the last thing on your mind, Pat? You know, and you said, <laughs> cocaine. I would applaud you from the heavens. Well, look, I've I've never done drugs in my life. I've never, Ooh. I've never, I've never even smoked. So a you're cigarette. the guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. Good I've to meet even, you, Pat. <laughs> I've never even smoked a cigarette. Do I? Do I have a, a beverage at the at the barbecue or you know out by the pool? Sure, but other than that, not nothing. Not interested. Not interested. Yeah. No. Well, it was a journey that I had to be on, you see, because when I was a young and 16, 17, and I'm in London and I've just done to so with love, it's a massive movie and everybody was giving you whatever you wanted. We're talking about 1966. You can imagine what it, London was like. You know, I mean, I did everything. I, you know, within two years, from 16 to 18, I must have. <laughs> it was a treasure chest of, of degeneracy. Yeah. And I, and I got it out of the way in, in many ways, you know, but, but at that point it was more the norm, right? Um, yes. But one was in a circle of, you know, London royalty really, yeah. I mean, because, you know, as access, because I went to drama school with Mitch Mitchell, Mitch Mitchell says to me one day, Michael, I'm, I'm playing with this black guy. He's left-handed. Uh, and you should come see him. It was of course Hendrix, you know, and I'm 16. 
I've just left boarding school and there's fucking, you know, Jeff Beck, Clapton, Townsend all in the front row going, oh, God, what are we going to do? It's a nightmare. <laughs> so, I mean, the moments of my life have been really, you know, one is uh, didn't spend a life trying to achieve something and meet people and all of that. I'd already done it by the time I was 20. Yeah, you were you were in it from your whole life. Yeah. <sighs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Um, the song on this album, Ain't None of Your Business. Of course, mm. I like that sentiment because we've all thought that, mm. you know, it's this is my Great life. Song. It's Yeah, personal. Don't ask me where I went last night. It ain't none of your concern. Uh, your voice sounds very different on this track. Yeah. Well, you know, I can sound like anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, um, uh, but some of the songs in this, uh, on this album, this first detective album on all records is that you, I'm actually singing uh, without aff- affectation, mm-hmm. but sometimes I like to play around with it. I mean, if I, you know, I, I play villains on telly, you know, in movies, right? So, you know, it's good to be comedic here and there. Yeah. So I think that same thing applies to a singer. You know, it's good to have lots of um, bullets in your gun and lots of guns in your arsenal, mm-hmm. you know, where I can sing it this way and that way. I can I can sing like Rod. I can sing like Freddie. I like this guy, like Marriott, like, you know, Paul Rogers. And um, and I, I never stick to one thing. And that's, I think, been been both a wonderful thing and also uh, a difficult thing for my career, yeah. too. Uh, as your life goes on and you, uh, you know, you get older, but you're staying fit and doing all the right things. But then people that have been in your life are passing like Tawny Katane yeah. and and Sidney Poitier. What does that do to your psyche as, you know, these people that you've worked with are, are, and of course, Sydney was, was older, but uh, Tawny was not. I mean, how does this affect you? Uh, I'm sad. I'm sad for them, you know, um, them, I don't know quite, uh, you know, Sydney had an incredible life and was the most humble, noble person I ever met. So he had a great life. Tori's was, uh, you know, she had a difficult life. Mm-hmm. So I, I have great empathy, but I really don't dwell on stuff like that, Pat. You know, I yeah. dwell on the living. So every day when you wake up in sunny California every day, you're like me. That This is a good day because I love waking up. Well, it, you know, I don't here. judge it at all. Uh-huh. It is what it is. You know, good is great. <laughs> bad is bad. You know, yeah. bad is not great. But I think if you wake up with expectation, you've had it. The key to, you know, being still here, I think, is acceptance. Acceptance of what is. That's really helps. And forgiveness, you know, mm-hmm. forgiving yourself, you know, not others. But accepting what's happening will, I think, level the field. You know, you'll yeah. be a little more balanced if you accept what is. You say, "My, I'm going to have a good fucking day today, or else." You know, I've heard people say that. Yeah, I said, "Did you hear what you just said and how you said it?" You're yeah. not going to have a good day. No, you can't make it happen. Yeah, but you're angry because <laughs> you haven't done it. Right. So you say, "Well, I'm going to fucking today is the day. This day, I'm going to win an Academy Award today." That. That's yeah. right. 
I'm going to win at the, the lottery at, or hook a bike crook. That stuff is just, you know, childlike. Yeah. So for me, is the key. I have a, I have a list of about six things every day that I would like to accomplish. And if I can do, if I get three of those done, I feel good. Yeah. I, you know, what, but what, what, that is interesting, but what is really interesting is stuff that you do not know what's going to happen. Well, yes, you can't predict it. You deal with that beautifully. Yeah. That's when you really start to climb the mountain of your humanity. You know, you could say, well, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, be nice to somebody. I'm going to not eat bread. I'm going to do, yeah, all those things are doable. But the things that you find yourself, the situation you find yourself in where you actually do something that's wonderful and not cowardly and and has a great deal of, you know, uh, ritualistic love to it, then you'll feel even better than you would have if you had, I'm not going to have a pink berry. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's the, uh, that's the real good stuff when you, when those things happen. Yeah. Two more songs to touch on. Wild Hot Summer Nights. Is this okay. you doing your best James Brown impression? Well, it's not my best. It's gotten much better. <laughs> okay. But certainly, <laughs> but certainly was that. And uh, I so funky, that song. It's so funky. And yet the guitars are like heavy, you know. And uh, it's good. It's, I like that track a lot. playing it on my show you know stevie said yeah you go ahead play detective you know because i have a feature called crossroads where i go deeply into an album okay you know, and i've been doing that for years and then and he said yeah, detective you know and uh, it's on every day next week all right i'm gonna tune in i'm gonna tune yeah. in yeah. um what would be the chance of the five of you playing a one-off no way Mm-mm. all right all right you no know, i always say it would be like Anthony Hopkins playing Romeo. All right. And I think that, you know. All I right. I get it. Much, that yeah. makes sense. The second <laughs> detective album, it takes one to know one. Yeah. Did you get the masters back for that also? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And is we'll something going to happen with that? Oh, yes, of course. We'll put it out. Yeah. All right. And will these be available digitally and on CD at some point also? Yes. I mean, in the last 48 hours, so many people have become, you know, at record stores, the mm-hmm. buyers yeah. have become besotted by this record. I'm telling you. It's, so there's this 3000 business, but don't that that that's an obscurity now. OK, I, I think it's going to go way further. I really do. And I think the second one really is going to go further. But but um, that's the way it feels, man. You know, that's cool. That's, it really is cool. Yeah. No, look, I'm, I'm holding them up. I'm not a novice. I have. Whoa. Yeah. The, la- the last time you could get them, I got them and I'll get them wow. again. That's I'll so get them cool. again. So thank you. Thank you, Pat. I'm yeah. so glad that you have them and you, you know, and this conversation is tremendous. And, uh, you know, th- those songs, that band. Yes wonderful stuff and people are digging it and i love that you know and the first time you were on the show you signed my vinyl copy my original vinyl copy it's it's yeah. on the wall right over there wow that's You're, wonderful that's just fantastic uh, recognition baby yeah Perfect recognition and a wild hot summer night got it all in there <laughs> every emotion possible yep. You're hanging, you're hanging right above Todd Rundgren and right next to Susanna Hoffs and, uh, and Judas Priest. So I'll go with Susanna. Yeah. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Yeah. All right. One more track to talk about. It's the last one on the album. One yeah. more heartache. And this one starts with the big, oh, big Bonham-esque drum sound. 
from John Hyde. So yeah, good. it's powerful stuff, isn't it? It really yep. is one more, not another one. You know, it's such a well-created song. I did not write that song. I just sing that song. And it's really from the heart. Those lyrics say, oh, you know, not again. Don't bring my, you know, here I go. Oh, God. You know, it's such a, and I could sing it. I think I sang it once. Wow. And I really do rather do like that, you know, coming in and just singing it and then listening to the rest of it build, you know, because once you, it's like, I have great respect. I did the theater, you know, I've done a lot of plays and in the theater. And if you, you know, it's repetitive and that's a really a skill to be able to do that. The same thing every night. I'm not very good at that, that rock because in rock and roll, it's really from the heart. And if you do multiple takes, it gets less. I think you, the blood is drained from the real song itself. And I yeah. hate, you know, I don't like, you know, like today you drop in and you go, whoa, baby. Yeah, that's good. Let's move on. You know, I mean, and you, you know, it's ridiculous to me to yeah. make records like that. You make records in a room looking in each other's eyes, you know, and then you play the thing and it, it's got flesh and blood to it, you know, yeah. not numbers. Yeah, I mean, if you're just going to sing two words at a time and splice yeah. it all together, then every, everyone can record an album. Yeah, and everybody does. Well, that's true. <laughs> and and there are artists out there that I really enjoy what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. please don't get me wrong, you guys out there. You know, what's happening today is, is what's happening today. Yeah. I'm, I'm the last person in the world to say, you know, that's ridiculous. I'm talking about me, <laughs> what I like to do. And I like to get into a room with a bunch of guys and girls and everything in between, you know, transgender drummers is great, which is the title of my next band, of course. And, uh, you know, and just get in there and sweat. And just bash it out. Bash it out. Bash it out. All right, Michael, as always, a, a joy to see you. you too. Pleasure to talk to you. I'm going to tell people where they can find you. Twitter and Instagram, at mdebar. Uh, website, michaeldebar.com. Yeah. Also head over to recordstoreday.com if you want to read all the details about this detective release. Uh, I live in Woodland Hills, California. So if you're in Southern California, maybe go to Amoeba Records or uh, Freakbeat Records or CD Trader. These are places that are going to be celebrating Record Store Day. And my fear is that I won't get one of these. I got to get out there and get one well, of we'll these. We'll get you one, Pat. You, you send me an address and you'll get one. Please do that. Well, you know I'm going to do that now. Yeah, of course. And and, and willingly give you a, a copy of the record. Absolutely. And, well, that's that's very kind of you. Seriously, course. Michael. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So in, in closing, Michael, one of the tracks on this album, which one would you like me to play as the playout song for the episode? Um, I would say uh, the most upbeat song on that album. You choose. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm... I. I got to be honest, I love, you know, I love one more heartache. I just, I'm going to do Me that. All and, right. I, and I, you know, and I heartily agree. I would now write a song called One More Heartbeat, please. <laughs> <laughs> we all want that. We all want that. Uh, Michael DeBar, you are fantastic as always. I can't wait to see you play live, hopefully yeah. in LA soon and yeah. say hello. And everyone else, please enjoy one more heartache. Thank you, Michael. That's your heart.
Hi guys, I'm Michael Debar, and I'm listening and being and interviewed by Pat Francis. What a guy, rock solid. I was rock solid right up to my 70s, and then it sort of went away. But that's life. <laughs>